policy. Um, and uh, he's effectively um, just encouraging them with how to stay fit. And just before I read this, we, just as a reminder, we've been doing this little series. This is the last in the, in the series, um, Spiritual Fitness. Uh, a lot of us paying attention to physical fitness this day and age in our gyms and so on. With the summer coming up, we want to be physically at our peak. We want to be toned and looking good for the beach, focused and so on. Uh, and so the corollary of that is that we are spiritually fit, looking at how we can hone our character, put on virtues, live this life of Christ effectively as salt, as light. It shines out of the way we live. And so we've been looking at different exercises, disciplines, um, training that we can do. Because if we try to live like Jesus, sooner or later we'll fail. But we can train to be like Jesus. And so we've looked at things like slowing down and stilling in a, in a fast-paced world. We've looked at things like serving others in a world that looks after number one. We've uh, looked at going deep in terms of... Uh, Mining the joy of the Lord in a world sort of a little bit superficial and surface, just all about fun rather than deep joy, even amid test and trial. Pat last week spoke on confession in a world that wants to cover up, to, to be open, real with one another. So things that engage, things that help us to withdraw in order that we can tone ourselves, strengthen ourselves so that we become spiritually fit. And um, in a sense, that's what... Paul is sort of saying here, he uses various metaphors about putting off and putting on, about clothing, about getting rid of old stuff, of taking on new stuff so that we live lives that make him look good. Uh, I'm going to read chapter 3 verses from verse 1 through to verse 17. Of Colossians, sorry, did I not say? I'm so sorry. Page 1118. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Vicar's just off on his own little... Reverie, page 1118, uh, Colossians, chapter 3. If you say Colossians, it sounds like you've just sneezed, but it's, it, the church was Colossae, and uh, so it's the letter to the Colossians. Okay. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other 
And forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Father, we pray simply that uh, these words written back there to them then, your spirit would take and apply to us here now. Teach us encourage us, inspire us, envision us and enable us to live a life worthy of the calling we've received. Father, we want to be fit for your purposes here on earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How do we stay fit? We've been looking at different ways in which we can become fit. How do we stay fit as we kind of finish off this, uh, this series um, this week? There'll be, a, as I say, just a sort of gathering next week at the five, and then um, we'll have a number of um, occasional speakers and um, uh, new speakers over August, uh, looking at different heroes, different biblical characters through August, and then we'll be on into the, the, summer, uh, the autumn series in September. So we come into land here with this one now, staying fit. How do we do that in, in the hectic, hurly-burly, pressurised life that is 21st century London? With all the pressures and demands, all the things that we want to squeeze, the kind of quartz that we want to squeeze into the pint pot of our time and lives here. And very often, actually, whether we're conscious of it or not, we'll be working, toward, we're working with some kind of mindset, some kind of paradigm in place. A kind of default way of seeing and thinking uh, about the world in which we live and our lives within it. And I wonder how many of you have, have attempted to engage with the idea of seeking a, a work-life balance. So that's sort of a few nods there. People are sort of familiar with that, that concept. Yeah, we should aim for a kind of work-life balance. I want to say that I think that's ruinous <laughs> for Christian living. I, just, I think it's almost counter-gospel. I, I, I think it's a load of tosh, frankly. I mean, just the premise that there's work and then there's life and that the two are sort of, are sort of antagonistic. We, sort of, I don't know when you picture balance, I sort of picture kind of traditional scales. So here I've got work and here I've got life. And, 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 and the idea is I'm, sort of, I'm, I'm working towards some kind of balance. But the supposition is that, that I, I can't live at my workplace. Or that, or that uh, somehow at work I can't come alive. Or that real life is outside of work. That they're, they're opposed to each other. But I, I, know, I, I know that much of 
many of our places of work and much of our, our work has an element of, of chore, of tedium, the things we just got to work through. But I know many, many people who, who embrace large elements, if not the whole of their work. There's a sense in which they, they truly come alive at work. They're doing something that they feel called to do, skilled to do. They love doing. They can see the benefit of it. I recognize that isn't necessarily everyone. But for many, this idea that um, it's going to be one or the other, that they're separate, seems to me a false premise. I think the other flaw with that, that idea of, of how do we live well, I suppose that's what I really mean by you know, staying spiritually fit, how do we live well for God in our day-to-day lives? And, and the thing about the, the, the work-life balance is that it tends to, to, to lead us to compartmentalise our lives. Do, do you find that? We sort of, so we, I've got my work life, it's like Monday to Friday, nine to five, as it were. I know no one works nine to five these days, but that section. And then, so that's sort of there, and then sort of outside of that is maybe leisure, you know, what I do in my free time, and um, then maybe there's a little compartment for, for my relationships, uh, you know, just uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, or maybe housemates, or family, whatever it might be, and then maybe there's a, hopefully there's a little bit of section here for sort of church and spiritual activities. Um, and before I realised, I've sort of compartmentalised my life and almost sort of separated my off, life off in each one. And of course the danger with that is that in the spiritual bit here, it, it leads us to suggest that God's only really interested in, in when I'm sort of in a place like this or doing supposedly Christian things and that God really isn't part of my relationships or my leisure time. You know, do I consciously think that God is with me in the gym or when I go for a run or a bike ride or, or that God is with me at work? delighting in my work. He, he, he shares the concerns and the joys and trials and tribulations of my work. Do I believe that as much as I believe that he's present when I'm singing songs to him and with him? Maybe it's because we've, we've fallen into a kind of compartmentalization because we've got a faulty mindset, faulty paradigm to start with. See what Paul says to these Colossians. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. In other words, since you are a new creation, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Don't, don't think in a worldly way. Don't pattern your thinking like you know, other people might encourage you to pattern it. Set your heart, set your mind, set yourself with Christ, seated above all rule and authority on earth above any paradigm or mindset there. Set your heart and mind on where he's at. Risen, ascended, and seated at the right hand of God. That's kind of code for, uh, seated is kind of, there's a sense of completedness. At the right hand, the right hand denotes authority and power. It was the, in medieval times, that's the one that drew the sword. The right hand is uh, the one, the, the signet ring, the seal. Jesus at the right hand of God with all power and authority. Paul concludes this section that I read after all these practical bits about you know, getting rid or taking off in order that you can take on or wear, clothe yourself in good things. He says, verse 17, and whatever you do, work, leisure, relationships, church, whatever it is, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, that pretty much covers the whole of life, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. I think a better way of 
ensuring that we live well is to see the whole of our lives as vocation. Vocation. The English word comes from the Latin word vocao, I call. Vocation is this sense that, that God is calling us into life with him. Wherever it is, work, home, wherever he might call us at any time of the day and night. He's calling us to live for him, to be that salt and light. Whoever we're with, whatever we're doing, the sense that God has, as it were, sown in us his life, and now he's calling forth the shoots of it. So how is God calling you? What is he calling you to do? Who is he calling you to be? Another way of putting it is, you know, what kind of shape are you in? We often talk about fitness, don't we, in terms of, you know, are you in good shape? Sort of in health terms. I don't want to offer this little mnemonic as a, a little, uh, I hope it's a help, just to sort of assess how am I doing in general sort of spiritual fitness terms and kind of life fitness terms. How, how am I? What kind of shape am I in? S-H-A-P-E, the S, spiritual gifts. Those are the kind of things that, that you, you couldn't do nearly as well if it wasn't for God empowering or enabling or inspiring you. God just seems to enable you, sort of lifts what you could do and what you can offer to another plane. What, what spiritual gifts has God given you for your fitness, your well-being, your living well for the sake of others? I mean, often very ordinary things. And I think in the context of this church in general, I can think of someone who stands in the door most Sundays at the morning service and he welcomes people. And, and in a sense, every single one of you could do that. You could stand at the door and say, hi, welcome. But there's something about the way this guy does it. It, 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 it just somehow sort of brings an element of God into your first encounter with this place. I can think of people who, uh, all of us could open the door and, and, and welcome someone into our house, home, wherever we are. But some people, they just seem to have the gift of hospitality. The way in which they welcome you, the way in which you're made to feel at home, seems to go over and above what most of us can do. Every single one of us, you know, we can write a check and, and give some money to a charity, to this church. But some people seem to have a kind of overflow of generosity as they do it. And it's almost as if God takes exactly the same amount of money and kind of does more with it. Spiritual gifts. Well, what gifts has God given you, invited you to steward, to kind of fan into flame? So you, you, you couldn't do what you do in the way that you do it without the Lord. What, what kind of gifts has he given you? What shape are you in? How do you stay fit? Are you... Are you using the gifts he's given you? H. H is for heart, as in, as in passion. You think about staying fit. What, what are you passionate about? What are you really passionate about? It just really gets you going, kind of drives you. The kind of thing that if you're stopped from doing it, if you're, if you're thwarted in your passion, you, you get frustrated or you get angry. You want to do this. It's the kind of thing that makes you jump out of bed in the morning. So uh, talking on the phone the other day, an example of uh, you know, where I, uh, an area of uh, something that I'm 
kind of passionate about it. A guy rang me up and he said, he's another vicar, and um, he rang me up and said, um, Tim, do you fancy a cup of coffee? And if I'm honest, I've, I've, I have been quite busy and I've just come back from a, a, a week and we're going to focus next week and I've, you know, it's quite a thing, so I'm quite busy. And I, my immediate thing was, oh, no, I, I, not really. <laughs> I didn't say about oh, I don't really want a coffee. And he, his, the very next thing he said, because I'm, I'm doing a teaching week and I wanna, I'm teaching on, um, on the, the Ephesians, actually, it just so happened. And immediately I thought, oh, I'd love to talk to you about that. Yeah, and miraculously, my diary, which was really full, suddenly there was some space. I'm sitting, I'm singing tomorrow at 12. There we are. Why is that? Because I love, I love that. I'm frankly, cups of coffee about a lot of other things. Well, manana, manana. But, um, <laughs> but I'm passionate about it. I, I, love, I, love, I believe passionately that God speaks through Scripture. And I love digging into it. I love unpacking it. I love seeing people released when they understand Scripture and they live by it. I, I love that. I'm passionate about it. So... You know, if you if you said Tim, I don't you know I don't want you to teach from the Bible for I, 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 just something. That God, what's God laid on your heart? What are you passionate about? I can think of some young people who are passionate about the elderly. I can think of some uh, senior people who are passionate about the young. I can think of people who are they you know they they. It, all the singing, all that sort of, oh, fantastic, but it's, it's issues of justice. I want to see, I don't really care who it's for, I just want to see, and they're passionate about justice. Other people they love, if we worshipped 24-7, just on the loop, all the way, that, that would be, they are passionate about coming into the experienced presence of God. What is it that you're passionate about, that you can spill into your homes, into your places of work, into your friendships and networks? That's how you'll stay fit. Spiritual gifts, heart. A is just abilities. What are you just naturally good at? Some people are just naturally good at organising. They're good on the detail. Other people are great just on seeing the sort of big picture. They're, they're kind of, they can be really present in the moment, but not so good at planning ahead. Other people like people. Other people love spreadsheets. Not that they're an antithesis, and you can love people and spreadsheets. I've just <laughs> other people like getting themselves in a hole and trying digging it out. What are you just naturally good at? I was sometimes I use this sort of metaphor for um, I, I'm right-handed, so writing with my right hand, I don't have to think about. I, I can just I can just write with my right hand. I don't think about it. But if you if you I can write with my left hand. But I, it, it feels sort of clunky, my, my muscles almost seem to sort of tense up, and I have to think about sh- making the shapes of the letters, and I have to consciously work it. It'd take me a whole lot longer to write a sentence with my left hand than with my right, and it would be more illegible, it would take me longer, it, but I'd tire out more quickly. I so I could write a whole paragraph with my right hand, with ease. What, what kind of things do you do, as it were, right-handed writing? What just, what just, just comes to you? That you, you could increase your capacity, you could increase the extent or the scope. It wouldn't tire you out nearly so much to do a little bit more of whatever you can do naturally, your abilities. By the way, on these things, and the next two as well, we're often the last people to really discover and work out you know, what, our, 
what kind of shape we're in. What is our shape? It, it, other people see it in us much more easily. You see it in others. So I'm like, oh, you're brilliant at this. You're really passionate about that. You've got a real gift in this. That, that's why we encourage fellowship groups, be it triplets or life groups. If you're thinking, those of you who are maybe new or you've been with us a little while, but you're not yet in some kind of uh, smaller group, I'd really encourage that, if only so that you can allow other people to help you get in shape. Spiritual gifts, heart, abilities. P is just personality. Personality. What kind of person are you? What kind of personality preferences do you have? You can do all these kind of tests now, can't you? Sort of Myers-Briggs, you know, um, ENTJ or ISBN or SPCK or whatever it is. Uh, it's, it's, or, or a bit easier for people like these sort of colours, you know, red, green, yellow, blue. Or, these diagnoses, they're, all, they're, not, they're, all, they're only tools. Don't, don't idolise them. They're not God. <laughs> it's the Lord who's made you. But they help you to have an understanding of, of who you are. If you, if you read through the gospel accounts of Jesus' life, was Jesus introvert or extrovert? What do we reckon? Who hands, up Jesus, who hands up Jesus was an extrovert? One or two? Well, interesting. That's me. Who hands up Jesus was an introvert? Oh, a few more. Okay, it's interesting. And, and those that didn't vote, just, you've seen the trick in the question. Yeah, you're a canny lot. Yeah. He, he was totally extrovert. Totally extrovert. He was always with the crowd, always with his disciples. He called people to be with him all the time. A crowd followed him, and then he's with the crowd, then he's with the crowd, and crowd, crowds, crowds, people, people. He's clearly energized by people. A total extrovert. Or was he a total introvert? And Jesus withdrew to a quiet place. Sending the disciples on, Jesus withdrew to a quiet place. He went up to a mountain to pray on his own. Even in Gethsemane, in his hour of need, he's got his mates with him. Little prayer group. No, he goes on his own to be with his father. What I'm trying to say is that Jesus, the complete representation of God on earth, extrovert and introvert, However he's made you, wherever you feel you are on that, just that one spectrum. God loves that. He's made you that way. I kind of recognise that a lot of, um, a lot of when we sort of are church together, it's quite an extrovert thing, people together and chatting and talking. And all that. I recognise for those of you who are in, tend towards introversion that that's a, a harder deal. And yeah, I kind of sort of acknowledge that. I'm, you know, we should work a little harder maybe at creating space for... Uh, affirming and allowing and embracing those who are more to you know, resource on their own. But either way, just who are you? And how can you rejoice in the shape that God has made you and find your part to play uh, when we're church gathered, but also when we're church scattered? I love that um, you know, one of the, the people on the leadership team, I won't, I won't name them, but you know, they're, they're quite a high introvert teaching um, me and us, those of us who are more extrovert, a lot about um, just contemplation, about withdrawal, about silence, about finding God and knowing yourself in relation to God in different ways. It's beautiful. We need all of that. So the P is personality. And the E is experience. Experience. What experiences to date has God allowed you to undergo? Maybe good ones, successful ones, maybe tests or trials. 
It's been said that experience isn't what happens to you, it's what you do with what happens to you. So how are you processing the experiences that God has allowed you to, uh, to go through? So shape, spiritual gifts, heart, your passion, your abilities, your personality, your experience. What kind of shape are you in? And I think as we pay attention to the kind of who we are in the whole of our lives, paying attention to this sense that God is calling this out, he's wanting this to flourish, he's wanting to kind of colour in who we are, so that we can be, uniquely, each and every one of us, we can be a blessing and receive God's blessing back in return in whatever context we find ourselves. When we're gathered as church and when we're, uh, wherever we are, home, work, whatever you do, in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Can, can I just slay the, uh, and the final thing, I, I want to slay the balance thing. There's a little bit of a hobby horse of mine, but um, let me, let, I'll come back to this sort of, um, the image of balance, and let me, let me use this uh, ruler here, and I'm, what I'm going to do is, um, I'm going to attempt, I'm going to work quite hard now, because you, know, you have to work to get balance in your life, so I'm going to work to get balance. A little bit more. Touch more. Bear with me. Okay. I've got I've got balance. Now in order to sustain balance, I need you to stop breathing. I finally managed to achieve balance. Is there anything you notice about me? <laughs> I'm not really living. <laughs> I've got balance. Another word for balance is stasis. It's just staying very still. And actually when you stay very still for a very long time, or even quite a short time, eventually you die. <laughs> funny but it's true <laughs> I don't think we're called in one, in one sense we're called to die in order that we might live the fact is life isn't like this when we get balanced it doesn't stop life goes on so I, I don't know what all the things are balanced along my ruler here I also think sort of uh, in my holiday coming out I've got a wife I've got three children all at different stages I've got work things I've got some new staff joining so this, this rule is going, it's going to go doo, doo, it's going to do this all the time your life is doing this all the time so the flaw here is that, is that in, in, this, in this analogy in this sort of image my hand here the, I'm the fulcrum I'm the one I'm the one sort of ensuring that there's balance and I've, I've got to stay stock still but God doesn't call us to stay stock still. See, sometimes there'll be, there'll be a real crisis at home. And, I, and then of all the things in my life, the Lord is calling me. I, I need, in order to get to that, that, that sort of equilibrium, if you like, to sanity, I need to move to where the, Lord, what are you calling me? I need to pay real attention here. I've got to drop a few things elsewhere in order to pay attention to my family. Oh, but hang on, a couple of people have left on the staff and now suddenly there's a whole load of things. Oh my goodness, over here. So now I've got to move from here. Lord, over here, I see I've got to pay a bit of attention here. Oh, and then here, and then here, and then here. 
It's, it's dynamic. It's life. It's living. The, the fulcrum doesn't stay still. We aren't called to stay still. We're, we're called to be living and active, alert and alive to the Spirit. Where are you calling me to be so that at any stage in life I can achieve a sort of sense of, of well-being, a sense of living out my vocation? So we, we need to be alert, alive to the Spirit so that whatever we do, in word or deed, whether at work or at home, wherever it is, we do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, who will guide us, who will shape us, who will keep us fit. Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. Oh, yeah.